Microphone check. Does my mic sound nice? Yes, it does. Welcome to another episode of It's About Damn Time. I'm Jared Dam, and this week we have another dope conversation with another dope person. I'm just going to get right into it. We're back for part two of the conversation with Keena Reed, and this week we're tackling black love. How do we define it personally? Why is it so important in the black community? Are there any realistic models in our society? And Kina breaks down an anti-blackness component that has affected black love for decades. Let's get into it. So, sit back, relax, listen to Kina and me. It's about damn time. All of its glory. Here I tell my story. Okay, Kina. We uh you killed part one. You know, you uh you got you gave me all the blackness. You gave me everything that I that I wanted that, that I originally thought about when we were po- when we were talking about doing the podcast. But when when we started talking about this um a couple nights ago, like kind of just pregame and how we're going to come about um, this episode, we stumbled upon a great topic. And it's a topic I actually wanted to kind of discuss. I don't know if I wanted to write about it, uh, but I, I think the platform is here to to talk about it on a podcast. And yeah, because I, I, I'm, I'm a subject expert on all things Black. You, you are a subject matter expert on Black all in the United like. States. Black is a global experience. Black so is a global experience. Fr- I should put a framework. I'm a subject on things Black United States, not Black Brazilian, not Black Nigerian. Okay, that's fair. That's fair because, you know, I am this. I, I am heard in, in like in like six countries. So, you know, I don't want nobody to come at you. It, it, it ain't that fancy. If, if one or two people hear you in France, it don't, it don't really count. <laughs> anyway, but, <laughs> but the subject is Black love. <laughs> So it's weird when, when you mention black love to a black person, there's this light that they get in their eye. It's, it's like this Shangri-La, um, this, this lost city of Atlantis um, type thing that they, they like when they talk about it. It's, just, it's like heaven on earth. So um, how do you define black love? You know, this is such an ironic ironic question (laughs) (laughs) I think this is hilarious for people who will listen to this who know you and I right I would be laughing if I were them yeah 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 yeah, they're laughing they're definitely laughing I don't it's yeah oh my gosh you might be shy give me another question (laughs) that that First of all, this is the format that you created. This is your you outline. Create that question. Yes, <laughs> it is the how. Okay, okay. Subject matter expert on United States blackness. <laughs> I'll I'll try to go first on on, on ask, answering this. So maybe I'll make it easier. Okay. So for me, the definition of black love. Um. Originally, I didn't. I didn't have 
um, a whole definition for it because the way the way every time I've heard Black Love and as a reference to someone else. Or reference to somebody that I that I was currently dealing with, and they they see me and go, "Oh, black love," because I had my friend Ladija that would always do that. Oh, black love. Um, I I just thought it was a word. I just thought it was like a, a something that people just say it. Um, it wasn't until very very recently, I guess, when you start thinking about the whole scheme of things, and like it's with all the shit that ha- happens, it's somebody that you can just deal with the shit with that understands your experience and, and understand the experience of what your family is dealing with, uh, how you have to deal with things at work, how how things are, are on the commute. However, they can understand that experience. And it's, it's, it's somebody that you can, that you can share those experiences with and come up with a game plan to, to help fight, to help survive, to help battle through. Um, I don't know if that I don't know if it exactly strikes a chord. I don't know if people feel feel that same way, but um, I mean that's 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 what I think about for me when I think about black love. So I don't have a definition, but I I, I want to lift up something. Um, there's a lynching memorial in Montgomery, Alabama. I think mm-hmm. it's Montgomery, and. There are two slave trades. See, I can make anything about slavery. There's the transatlantic, which is what most of us learned about in school. Right. That triangle that largely is generating from West Africa, Africans across the Americas. Also, ironically, more Black folks landed in South America than North America in the transatlantic. So if you're planning returns to places, and you're not quite ready to go to Ghana, go to, to Antigua. Folks look like they, folks look like you there. Mm. Um, so anyway, uh, Lynching Memorial, Montgomery, Alabama, after the transatlantic um, slave trade is banned in 1808. By, uh, it happened in the United, the organization wasn't called United Nations, but it happened like, in the larger uh, colonial powers first, and then it landed in U.S. Congress. And so 1808, the U.S. Congress is like, no, we're not going to uh, legally purchase humans from Africa. So the second slave trade happens, which is the domestic slave trade. And so there's records that say up to 1 million Africans are transported across uh, the upper south to the north south but that doesn't account for how many black people had not been central sex during that time so black men are like used as breeders to go across plantation and plantation to impregnate women and i say this out loud as often as i can none of that sex was consensual because like what are you gonna say not gonna have sex with this guy and get pregnant five times right um but anyway I digress. And so the lynching museum is in Montgomery, Alabama, because in Montgomery, Alabama becomes a huge port for transporting slaves during the domestic slave trade. So Black people, there weren't just one, there were two. So when people say stuff to you crazy, talking out their neck about reparations, you need to run around people. This shit happened twice to us. Okay. 
reparations for all. Gotcha. I had to say that out loud. Gotcha. So um, in the Lynch Museum, there's this thing, there's this exhibit, and it will break your heart. And it's newspaper ads that were posted during the Civil War and post-Civil War. I try not to say the phrase reconstruction era because nothing got reconstructed during that time except for white supremacy. Mm. And these newspaper ads are people looking for their loved ones. So it's like mom saying, haven't seen my daughter, Angie, in 22 years. The last time I saw her was at Master Dan's plantation here in Arlington. And so I don't have a definition of Black love, but I will say it's something like that. It's Mm. not having seen your husband or your kids or your sister for 40 damn years and still trying to shoot your shot, to reconnect, to be intimate, to be close. Despite all of the challenges that come your way, that make that hard. Mm. That's what I got. No, no, that's 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 it was real. That's it was real. I like that. I was not ready for that. You were. You there were, were lots of things that I did did to prepare myself for visiting that. Mm-hmm. Wasn't ready for that. No, it was real. It was organic and raw. It was mm-hmm. right because I mean. As someone who's been in love before, there is this thing where you feel like you're like, rather those are like challenges you've created yourself or challenges along the way, you know, there's this, this resiliency to be connected in spite of that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. In spite of the holes that might slide into your man's DMs. Or like voicemail, you know. You're just like, I can do this. I can be connected to this person. Why is black love so important? Now, um, I like what you said when it when it comes to your definition and and, and it, your because def- your I didn't give you a definition. Well, it was almost like the, the story that you told. It it it, it gave. The feeling that you got from that, for me, was 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 what black love is. So I'm like, wow. So take so taking that into consideration, um, why is that important? Why why was it important then? And why is it important now? I think love is germane to the human condition, right? Like, if you believe that we're divinely created. Humans are built with a desire to be connected, to know someone and to be known. And I'm not convinced that any of us can fulfill purpose, right? Like, Jerry, you can't do what you were created to do without love being a part of that process, that journey. So Black love is important because when we're talking about building legacies, when we're talking about building better tomorrows for our Black kids, love is one of the things that opposes all the fear 
mm-hmm. that constantly shows up in our lives. Love is the thing that makes those fears and anxieties. Um, it's the thing that will help us manage those, those negative emotions. So that's why Black love is important. It helps set us on our path. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. So I want to... I'm going to ask a question that uh, I want your viewpoint on personally, and then, I'll, and then I'm going to try to expand it into uh, a group, I guess, black women in general, which I know you can't speak okay. for all. I know you can't speak for all black women, but I kind of want to stay for one. black women. Woo. Okay. Well, let, let, let's see how you stay for them right now. Cause I want to, <laughs> I want to ask you, <laughs> I, wow. I, I stand for, I stand for black women too. Um I was supposed to say, Jared, I meet a lot of men who hate women and you love black women. You I, love I adore women. black women. You do. I adore black women. And I have so many strong black women in, in my life and I, I freaking adore them. Like I yes, I, I fight for black women. Yeah, I do. Yes. Um to your detriment, you probably love sometimes to my yeah. detriment, yes, but still. Yeah. All right. Interracial relationships. Ooh. How you feel about it? Now, let me preface this first, right? All right, but and, and I'm a, and I'm a, I'm asking this because when we, when, if we talking about black love, we have to sit there and talk about interracial relationships oh, because because you were trying to paint me as a racist. First no, of all, I'm not trying to paint you racist. as a racist. No, but this, well, this, I can't even be racist. Black people can't be racist. So whoa, that. that's a whole different. That's a whole. I stand by. I I don't I don't agree with that. But okay, but we could be things. We could be prejudiced. We could be discriminatory. But racism is an institutional power, and we don't have enough of that shit to make that engine run. Mm, that's a different podcast. So, okay. Um, inter- I have to bring up interracial relationships because of the fact that's an oh, oh, I'm so mad at you right now. Because so, but so that, that I ain't gonna say so many. I don't want to lump all black women in the same category, but that I have heard a lot of black women. Racism is institutional. I just need you to know that. Okay. And unless 44 of our presidents have been black. We don't have the institutional juice, my ninja. I hear what you're saying, but for 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 interracial relationships, you got your podcast there, sitting here thinking I could be racist. Hell no. Why is so many black women, or a lot of black women, or a group of black women, why do they hate? When, when when black men date outside their race, and why do they make statements that say? I'm going to date outside of my race because of the way black men are acting. I really feel like you're putting me in the hot seat here. This but is a hot I'm seat question. I am not going to lie It is a hot you. seat question. It wouldn't be the first time you put me in a predicament. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, lady. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Would not be the first. <laughs> What's your thoughts on it? Well, one, white people, nope, let me be more specific. No, I'll stick with white people, specifically. Most white 
people don't have the capacity to raise black children or children of color. So that's going to be my first issue. How can you, if you're a white person who has um, not checked their racism, not checked their internalized blackness, anti-blackness, raise black kids, you can't do it very well. So that's the first thing. This is you and Target sitting here in the wrong section of the shampoo and conditional aisle about to buy your black adopted daughter or maybe your biracial black daughter whose hair looks like mine. Podcasters, you can't see my hair. Uh, Pod listeners, you could Google me, okay? But your hair looks like mine. Uh, You can't put suave on this. I need oils that I can't pronounce. Jojo Ba. <laughs> That's the shit this needs. And now you're in Target harassing me. You should have thought about that before you got that black kid. Really? From wherever you sold him from. Wow. I mean, I gave her that advice, though. I'm not a complete jerk. <laughs> but you look. But that's what I'm saying. Like, how how can we talk about black love when 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 I get what you're saying? But that's so that's the first thing. That's Kina's first big thing that a lot of white people shouldn't be raising black kids. It's hard enough for black kids to love themselves in an anti-black world. They don't need their parents internalized anti-racism. And I'm gonna say this: spoiler alert. Tag it. I don't care. White people have been asking themselves the wrong question for too damn long. That wrong question is, am I a racist? Eh, Kill it, bury it, put it under the ocean. The question white people need to be asking themselves is, how am I racist? Because you are. So all white people are racist? Yep. (laughs) Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay. Jared didn't say that y'all. Kina did. Last name is Reed. R-E-E-D. Find me on the Googles. Because it's internalized. Meaning, like, are white kids born racist? No, they're not. But shit, by the time they get to school, they've seen so many messages that say that Black people and Brown people, they've heard things. They've Mm -hmm. seen things. So, no, let me make that clear. No one is born a racist, just like no one's born a misogynist. But if you live in a household where your dad is beating your mom up and talking about her badly and saying all these other horrific things about women, don't be surprised. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, a person's environment. And just like the other side of that shit is black kids. No one has to tell my nine-year-old nephew who's black that he's aggressive. But by the time he starts high school, he would have gotten that message a thousand different ways. A thousand different ways. So shit gets internalized. And unless someone can redirect that, people believe that is true. So, so when I say that all white people are racist, I'm saying unless someone came into their lives early on to redirect that, to help them be actually see, oh no, I'm not higher on this racial hierarchy that America has consistently created and maintains. If no one has interrupted that, then yes, they're racist. Now, the degree to which they can be racist, that's a whole nother conversation. And and so what you're saying is with that internal racism with varying degrees, 
that 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 makes that makes interracial interracial yeah, relationships because you especially mean white women with, with kids yes and not just kids i mean there are lots of you know and i again i i will swing on this tree all day there are lots of white women who date have sex with married black men who are racist who don't appreciate black community and spoiler alert there are a lot of men who regularly sleep with women who hate women who are misogynist it's a thing it's a real ass thing yeah that's real that's real okay and now girlfriend you waking up trying to figure out where the self-esteem you had last night went it's gone because he literally injected you with his hatred of your whole damn like community you're filled with hate literally <laughs> so you so, look in a mirror like wait i just got this weed but i just can't feel good about myself girl you need I, I, right, so I know I, that was graphic i guess i guess my i guess <laughs> it, was, it was a good visualization <laughs> okay but i guess my my thing is if the if the problem with interracial relationships is basically the, the internalized byproduct. racism and internalized huh? anti-blackness. Well, but yeah, but it all it all, all your examples stem from the byproduct of their love, which is kids. So what if there's what if there's no kids involved? Okay, in so here's another thing too, right? Because you could make me say this shit out loud. Some stuff that comes attached to living in an anti-black society is feeling like a lot of black people have internalized that our shit is bad and their shit is good. Rather, we say that out loud. Just think about the fact that the hair straightening industry existed as long as it has and has made as much money as it has because we've seen our hair coming out kinky, curly, wavy and interpreted that as bad but everything that comes out of white scouts is good, right? So I'm mm -hmm. just saying there's empirical data that proves that we've learned that everything attached to whiteness is the preferred thing. That shit slides into romantic endeavors, especially when we think about black men who get put on, who feel like, okay, I've got the office. I've been able to manage the salary and the car and so the last piece de resistance is having a white woman who shows up in spaces with me. And this is going to give me unilateral leverage to be respected by white people. And I'm not saying that's every, every Black man in a relationship with a white woman, but that sure in hell is Daniel Cameron's story. Daniel Cameron, the Turner General, who did not get justice for Breonna Taylor. True. Okay. Okay. So is it possible that a black man can meet a white woman and be like, I did ass love her. It has nothing to do with her being white. Yes. But unfortunately, so many black people have been conditioned to believe that everything is white is good and pure and great. And that shit gets internalized. So I've met black men who partner with white women based off of a, this idea that this gives me some societal leverage. And then also just some nasty stereotypes that they have about white women too. And don't get me started on a whole black angry woman, right? Thing, which is like, I've literally had guys say, it's just easier to deal with white women because they're less angry. Uh, well, they can't afford to be less angry because they're not watching their brothers, fathers, sisters, 
nephews strategically being murdered by the state. True. True. They could be less angry than me because they're making 76 cents for every male dollar, but hell, my ass is making 53. Mm. I have a reason to be angry. And anger makes great sex happen, BT. You said anger makes what? Uh, great sex happen. Anger's not a bad thing all the time. Anger's not a bad thing all the time. Thank you. Anger, yeah. Anger's not a bad thing all the time. All right. Okay. I, I had I had to get that from a, a black woman. Yes. So yes. Is it possible that love you can fall in love with someone? Yes. I think it is. I mean, I haven't ruled that out for myself, you know? But I'm just saying, unfortunately, because of the conditions and violent systems we live in, it makes it easy to pick a partner with a lot of those internalized things inside of oneself. That makes sense. And I mean, and to be fair, there are Black women who say, I'm not going to date Black men, right? And they utilize their white partners for leverage, too. So I want to make that really clear. That's true. That's that, true. That happens That's on true. both that, sides that is, of that the That is board. totally fair. Yeah. yeah. That is true. Um, all right, let's 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 switch gears a little bit and talk about um the model for black love because you know do we really have like a good representation, a good model of black love, whether it's media, whether it's television, movies, or or just in real life? No. And part of it is is kind of like what I was saying before. For love, uh, this is such a sticky icky thing. Because I'm not, I don't want to sound like I'm saying black people can't love each other. Um, but I remember, I don't know, like maybe two, three years ago, just really kind of unwrapping this in my own head. That part of what makes black love so hard, especially if we're talking about romantically, is because for someone to be fully intimate with someone, like, like naked inside, naked outside intimate. Mm hmm one has to feel safe to do it <laughs> true when do we ever feel safe jared at all times i'm aware of how i can get it you know what i'm saying yeah so part of me struggles with that so i'm not saying that black people can't love each other but i'm just saying for true intimacy to occur you have to have some level of safety and financial insecurity housing insecurity poverty, the violence of anti-Blackness, the violence of anti-racism, there are so many things that keep Black people from feeling safe every day that reaching that level of intimacy becomes that much more harder, mm. right? Like, as a Black woman who's triggered by, like, things like gender discrimination in the workplace, right. um, triggered by knowing that I can be a victim of state-sanctioned violence, and the trauma responses I can create can make looking you as a black man and feeling safe with you that much harder. It's not impossible, but it's that much harder to negotiate, right? Especially if like both if both parties aren't willing to do the work to get past all of those different tensions. And I do think there's this reality where because of external influences. Like when we think about something like Reagan's drug dealing, and I said Ronald Reagan, like mm -hmm. drug dealing, right? Because he was the one who was a drug dealer in the hood that no one wants to talk about. True, facts. Like 
those external factors that have really made it hard for Black people to not only feel safe, but to have the things to build family units. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's like what, I think like 1.5 million kids right now who are unparented because of the prison industrial complex that people don't talk about. Right. So I just think that because of those external factors, finding safety with each other takes so much more energy than let's say your typical white family that isn't dealing with housing or financial insecurities. And intimacy is hard for our humans, period, right? But those external factors make it that much more difficult. So what 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 would you say um if someone's someone said that um Keith Cliff Huxtable and Claire Huxtable were the models or, or, or the model for black love and we're just and we're just overlooking it. <laughs> I'm asking the question. Hey, hey, I'm asking the question. I I know I know that it's TV. I know it's the eighties. I, I know all yeah. the things from your kind. And I mean, and and I mean, again, we can juxtapose that that Bill Cosby himself was a model for like what does it mean to be a black person who is making moves, right? Right. I mean, I would say a model to the extent that they really replicated whiteness for us. So when I look at that show now, and I can see the value in a Black family showing up prime time, one of the major four networks, right? Mm -hmm. So that alone is enriching. To see people who look like you in any capacity is enriching, Right. right? But representation is only part of the thing, right? And so think about the kind of shit that Heathcliff and Claire had, like, tension over. Like, Theo never came home because one of his teachers accused him of being a thug. You get what I'm saying? Like, you know, like, they didn't deal with the issues of being Black in America, right? And so when we look at Bill and Claire, what they really modeled is like, hey, Black people, you can have these things if you replicate whiteness to a certain extent. Mm. And they didn't necessarily deal with the very real-time challenges of being Black in that space. Claire never came home, took her shoes off, and be like, you know what, those at work? Which, what Black woman who isn't professional hasn't come home and be like, you know what, these white people? Yeah. Yeah. You telling me that Bill didn't have a white patient who looked at him and called him the N-word and then he still had to save their life and he wouldn't have come home and been like, baby, let me tell you about these white folks I work with. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that model is one of a class structure, sure, but is it like a model of like the, the tensions that show itself up in everyday life? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. All right, and you make you make good points about that. Yeah, they, they, there, there was a lack of the black experience on that show. As much as I love that show, there was a lack yeah. of the black experience. And on that's that what's show. so interesting about Different World, right? So first season, Different World. It's a different world. Marissa Tomei, stop. Yeah, inclusion. Marissa Tomei. And so apparently, rumor is 
they bring Debbie Allen on and Debbie Allen's like, first of all, are y'all really going to make this an HBCU? Because what y'all doing right now ain't. Y'all know that Small Whistle wasn't there the second season. She I'm just not. saying. She was not. Things that super hype second season. Like, I keep saying I'm going to look at season one and season two and, like, compare it, right? Oh, it's a, it's a vast difference. It's a different experience. It's you a different black, world. It's a different world. You got, like, the AKAs, even though they didn't have the AKAs, but you yeah. got black Greeks showing up. People are stumping. You know what I'm saying? Um, So, I just think you can't have a model that doesn't replicate. And black people are not a monolith, for sure. Right. But you can't have a model that doesn't resonate race at all either. Right. But then at the same time, you like think about something like living single, which is just like friends, the first friends, because friends was a ripoff. I also can't say that enough, right? That friends Thanks. was the white version of the living single. Agreed. And 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 I think I think this documentation that they even mentioned it like somewhere. Yes. Yeah. So white people stay still and stuff. So anyway, but living single, right? Like here you all have successful black women, black men making it, making moves, living their best lives. But in some ways, like I think about the character Maxine and they really leaned into her being professional. She's the top of her class loyal lawyer, but she's so hard to love. Mm-hmm. Literally her and Kyle break up several times. Yeah. You know, and the nucleus of that is often that she's too independent. He can't subdue her. He can only subdue her with sex. Right. And even then, like she wants to be on top a lot. I feel like there was an episode where Kyle basically was like, you want to put handcuffs on me. Right. So this idea that like, in some ways, Maxine is the anti-lover because it's so hard for her to manage her. As opposed to someone like Sinclair, who's all soft and rosy. Right. And the truth is, most black people are Sinclair and Maxine. You catch me on the wrong day. Yeah, I feel like I met you when you were you were you were more leaning more towards Sinclair, and, and now you you definitely Maxine shall <laughs> attorney of law. <laughs> there are like three things that make me become Sinclair real fast. I'm just saying that can be on your podcast, bro. No, I'm not gonna you see I didn't ask no follow-up questions. I didn't ask <laughs> shit. <laughs> But seriously, right? Like, like someone like Maxine is devoid of softness. That's not reality. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think we have had those models in the media. Um, and if those are if there are people who are living in real time with that, those those stories don't show up. I mean, I think about something like that maybe kind of came close to that, right? And it only got one season, so that's not surprising. Do you remember it was on OWN? Shit. And it's the real story of the two, the, the like one of the black powerhouse couples in Hollywood. Oh shit, you're gonna make me Google them. I don't, I don't. Shit, I don't, you should know what I'm talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's a black producer and a black director and they're married. I, yeah, I am completely confused on that. Love is. That was what it was called. Okay. Love is. And it was based off of the, okay, the couple that made uh, Girlfriends. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Myra Brock and Salam McKill. Okay. I didn't know they had a show. It was very fleeting. 
But th- that that was something that was a little bit more realistic because here she is, like, like this is bef- apparently she got into Hollywood before he did, so she's a writer. On I, feel, I feel like I, I, I've shows. seen her name mm-hmm. w- way more than he is. And so she's a boss in the industry more so than him because when she meets him, he's just like writing sitcoms in coffee shops, trying to like get a deal. Yeah. And so you see the soft and hard and both of them do that, mm. you know? So I think, yeah, I don't think we have media models, to be honest, to answer um, your question. Well, and, and, I, and, I, and I know, I mean, there are, there are people, you know, in their different families, they probably can name like grandma and grandpa, auntie and uncle that, that, that epitomize it for them, but no broad uh, spectrum well, yeah, of that, that. There's that part too, because when but, you think about something like the prison industrial complex that has actively worked to keep black men out of black families, yeah. Well, I mean, well, let, I, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Saying? Go ahead. No, I was just saying, I say this all the time. Well, I don't say it all the time. This is new revelation for me that um the way that united states is set up specifically like post chattel slavery we live in a country that never intended on black parents being able to black parent mm. right and that mm. legacy is still a lot in a lot of different ways so let me ask you this we we've went through the whole fact that you know broad stroke wise there, there there are not significant models for black love do we need them? No. And the reason why I say this is because this is this is what's dope about Afrofuturism. There, are, I guess, it depends on what kind of person you are, right? Because there are people you put a blank canvas in front of them, and you come to them hours later, and the canvas is still blank. Right. And then there are people who you put a blank canvas, and a couple hours later, something is on that shit. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess it depends on what type of person you are. You yeah. know? Yeah, I can see that. Some people because some it, people need that, but some people are like, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm just going to create. I'm going to create. And that's where we, we got to get comfortable, right? Like, we got to, like, I'm not the first person, like, this, this is the thing about, like, what does it mean to live hundreds of years under violent systems? we often show up as the first people, right? First college grads, first business owner, mm-hmm. first entrepreneur. And so we have to model a lot of our shit for ourselves. I, I think part of the problem is, is it's one thing to say, I have a blank can- canvas, what can I do with it? It's a whole nother thing to say, I have a blank canvas and then looking around at other people and be like, I'm just going to copy what other people have drawn. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, me falling in love with a Black man, which is my desire, I have to, I would go into the relationship recognizing, like, you know what, my parents split up when I was 12. And knowing what I know now, <laughs> like, that wasn't the best thing. Knowing that in the Black community, when we don't really talk about this a lot, so much of our love looks like trauma bonding. Yeah. right yeah that's so, really it yeah that's yeah. trap music yeah that is trap music <laughs> <laughs> listen wait listen 
I have a hashtag. Please take back episode. That's the next episode. I promise it's coming soon. It's coming soon. <laughs> that was a little spoiler, but you're right. Like, so I, I have to go into the relationship like, hey, love, like, here's these things that I'm going to need you to support me on. I need to build some muscle around these things, right? Mm-hmm. And hopefully he's reflective enough to know the things he'd have to build on too. And that's us creating a new, a new story together. Yeah. I um I guess for me, what whether we have a model or not, I think I think for me the granted it's challenges in love in general. Yeah, for all humans. For all humans, no yeah, matter what. Because we're essentially selfish. I say that about humans. Like we come out the womb self-seeking. That that I I can see I can I can see that in a in a I can I can see that. Yeah. Because uh, even even the most you know giving person, they, they still got to look at. Why? Why do you give? You know, like you know, what I'm saying, yeah. like it's, it's, I mean, it's for that feeling. Because the brain is wired for like protection and safety and survival. Right. Period. But but I get I guess because it there, I guess it feels a little different with black love. I feel like there's the challenges are, are double, more, quadrupled. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like you know, again, I try to be really specific. We're having this conversation about black love, black peoples in the United States, right? And those challenge, like, cause so, huh, I'm trying to figure out how to frame this. I mean, is it hard for people in Nigeria to fall in love? Yeah, right? But they don't have like the trauma in their body connected to racism. So. Could you imagine like growing up in Ghana, there's black people everywhere around you, black people winning, black people losing, black people. But I mean, it's like, like not having internalized this message that you're not good enough all your damn life. I I don't think I could wrap my mind around it. It's it's probably why I didn't go to HBCU because even just neither one of us did. Yeah, but even like even when we visit, even when I visit (laughs) Grambling, I was like, (laughs) "What's going on here? What's happening here? Why is this coast so dark and why is the wall so wet?" I was like, "Yo, I'm about to go back to Monroe." Like. Oh my gosh. But now I'm just like, damn, it's not too late to go to Howard. <laughs> I know. Now I'm like, now I'm comfortable. Cause there was a point in time where I was like, I would get nervous about, around a whole bunch of black people. Yes. And again, talk about the things you have to unlearn, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So t- tell me like beside let's talk, let's talk about obstacles that stand in your in 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 black in the in the face of black love like dick pictures <laughs> wait 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 a minute wait a minute are you telling me one of the one of the main obstacles the first thing that pops to your head <laughs> that stands in the way of black love is dick pics dick pics obstacle number one How, all right all right you have to break this down for me i i need to i how are how are dick pics <laughs> obstructing black love? <laughs> well, this uh, just just me my personal issues, my own personal hangups. I just feel like, and then okay, let me give this a framework. We're talking about heterosexual relationships, okay. all right? All right. So I think there's this idea 
that because I'm so used to being like, um, what's the word? Uh, minimized. Mm-hmm. And in some instances, like not fully seen. Sometimes like that can translate into my dating experiences. So when a stranger sends you a dick pic, it feels like they're saying this is coming down to the most rudimentary, like rudimentary parts of who you are. Right. And that's just not a good start for me because as a woman who is like in a patriarchal society, I've been told my whole life that the only thing of value I have is like, like my vagina or childbearing. And so when a dude comes out the gate with that emphasis on sex, in some ways it feels like it's reinforcing that message Mm -hmm. that this is the most important thing. So I imagine that guys who send dick pics aren't even thinking about that shit, but I don't know. I always say there's an art to send in a dick pic. You know what I mean? What is that? Like, yeah, like you see, see the the filter part, huh? The filter part? What a, what a, yeah, you, you, you sometimes you do mm. need to get filtered, but that's beside the point. The problem, the problem with, with ladies, guys, dudes are filtering their penises. I'm just saying the streets ought to know, apparently. I feel like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I feel like if, if you can go on Instagram stories, you can go on Snapchat, you can go on all these places that have all these different filters. If you can sit there and do that for women to sit there and take these selfies and they and they sparkling, they look glamorous, and and and, and what one of my my colleagues on the on the Vex intellect say it's it's so it's it's witchcraft because you sit there and and tricking people on how you different on how you look. If you can, if if women can do that with filters this for, their, is why. For, their, for their selfies, why can't a guy do that for for a dick pic? This is why on any of the dating apps that I've been on. I try to make sure that four out of six of those pics don't even have me having makeup on. But that's you. I I, I have I have been on dating sites where I'm like, well, shit, this thing this thing look like. Oh my gosh, that happened to me recently. The picture that the guy had on his page was like, I think his seventeen year old self. Yeah. And then he showed me the pic of like himself last Sunday and I was like oh my god see that's what I'm saying like Why look, you, you you could have you could have a little <laughs> bit of filter to to kind of enhance it a little bit but don't transform it and the, and, and of course like you <laughs> wait, said so then so wait so we're saying the rules uh adjudicate for enhancing filter but not transformative filter you don't want a transformative filter. No, you want you want enhancement. With history, hence the reason it's okay to filter your dick pic. But, but here's not- the thing: depending on the filter of the dick pic, it can like the lighting can change the shading. The shading can change the perception of length and girth. Well, look. Look, Why do you that, have me saying this on the podcast? You're gonna have to edit that part. I'm not, I'm I'm editing, I'm not editing shit. This is this is real talk, and people need to know this. So for me, for 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 me, there is an art form to it, and and part of it starts with 
you can't send unsolicited dick pics. You can't you can't sit there and do that. And that's and that's what gave, gave the dick pic a bad a bad name because it, the whole point of it is you you you're you're conversing, y'all getting to know each other. You don't start off with sex. You just start to get to know each other, and then all of a sudden, you know, maybe maybe y'all you kind of start getting to that realm, and you start but talking that's about that's a it. whole nother conversation because the unsolicited dick pic makes me think of non consensual sex, and that 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 right there, we could be here for hours. Yeah, I'm because I'm just saying there's we a live in a world where men are taught, like no, let me rephrase that. We live in a world where women are taught not to be raped. And men are not taught to be rapists. And that shit's got to change. True. True. I want to live in a world where Kenan could get butt bone naked and walk down the street all day, 16 hours, naked like a day bird. And I don't get sexually accosted once. In fact, I want to live in a world where I'm butt bone naked walking down the street and men come up to me like, would you like my coat? Are you okay? Do you need some assistance? Are you chilly? That's the world I want to live in. That is a... Now, you want to talk about Shangri-La. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> the reason why unsolicited dick pics show up, because men are not, most men, let me put this caveat there, most men are not conditioned to think about, let me check in. Is this a violation of a boundary? Is this something that this woman even want? Which isn't shocking because women weren't even allowed to have orgasms to like 1957 up in this bitch. I have a theory. You've read Scarlet Letter, haven't you? I, I, uh, I think the rich craft was that she was orgasming in town. That could be it, actually. And people are like, huh. she's having orgasms? And then like multiple orgasms? What the hell? What is this fridge crap? That could have been it, actually. That was the that was the sin. It wasn't just that she was sleeping with other people's husbands. She was orgasming with them. Yeah. And then those husbands came up to their wives like, hey, are you going to bust one? And their wives were like, no, no, no. What is this top blue? <laughs> all right. All right. Wait, wait. Okay. So. We started all this because the, <laughs> the number one obstacle that you thought of as far as what's 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 like stopping black love is dick pics. Cause I I I'm I'm assuming you speak from experience where you where you like a dick pic just halted all types of 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 what could have been as far as love. I'm just saying, and if I would love to hear back from your listener. No woman I ever, like, no woman I know has enjoyed getting an unsolicited dick pic, especially from a stranger. I just don't think that's a thing. I, I, I have not, I, yeah, I, I can agree with that. No, I dick pic from Bay, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But unsolicited from a strange man? Mm-mm. I don't know any woman who that's their vibe. Not a straight woman. And also men, be careful about who you send these dick pics to because like you don't want to be a running story and like an inside joke for years and years to come, aka glitter dick. Because I got one <laughs> encasing glitter once. Wait, 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 wait. 
the gl- thing. Glitter, the, the, I mean, was it the filter? The, uh, the, yeah, he really he used glitter that stop and used it, like that effect on the iPhone. And so he sent the text message and I was like, oh, it's so, it's a shiny picture. And it's like, and then it was like the penis. I was like, ah, it's a dick in my phone. <laughs> and I was in a room full of other people. And so then I passed it around. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so till this day my friend's like ooh met a glitter dick not recently running I... joke running joke yeah 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 that, that, that that's a good way to sit there and, and sour your reputation on, uh, on delivering um, quality pictures I I should, I should I should do a class um <laughs> Still class. Okay. What other obstacles besides dick pics <laughs> impede <laughs> black love? I Which think- wait, before we before you go on that, so you don't think that 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 it's a problem with uh, with other races and cultures? Dick I pics? mean, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's guys all over the world on the south of France selling this sending dick pics. I'm, I don't, I don't think know. I just feel like it's more of a black thing. I don't know why. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I've never been sent a white penis, but I think it's a thing. Okay. All right. So what maybe it's not. I I I hadn't really thought about it. I I No, it is a thing. It is a thing. It's a thing. White guys are sending dick pics too. I wouldn't know. (laughs) Thankfully. I I don't know. No, it's a thing. (laughs) And I don't want to know. Okay, so what other obstacles besides besides that? I mean, I think I mentioned to you before, like to build intimacy, one has to feel safety. And so I think there's that component. But I also think like, and it depends, are we talking about people dating at 40? Or are we talking about people dating at 21? Right? Because that's a different thing, too. It could be it could be both. I mean, when when I think about when I think about it, I think about a couple things. I mean, there's um, you know, maybe it's I went for with technology, so I guess they kind of go to the same level as, as dick pics because you can easily just talk to somebody. And you can be like, you can send the same random "good morning" beautiful message. You can send a dick pic. I pics. hate it. I hate the hell "good morning queen." Yeah. Like, when will y'all black men stop with that? I I, I don't I don't. No, I think that's a black guy thing. White men aren't texting women saying "good morning queen." Yeah, I, I I I used to work with a guy who who called everybody queen, and, and a white woman had to shut him down. But like, please don't call. Me. <laughs> uh, but but I think it's I think it's technology. I think it's um, you know maybe you know it could be like a generational thing that, that you know with millennials. Um, I I think sometimes expectations are uh, are, are high on on both parts. Um, I think you know there there could you know there there are guys that that, that expect. You know, black women to do everything. And, you know, I, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, and and vice versa. I mean, everybody has certain expectations. Like, yeah, oh, the, the the black man, the, my, my my black man need to know how to change a tire and do and, and work on cars and, and, cut, and kill and spiders cut, and pay and all kill, the bills and, and cut log trees. Yeah, I ain't no manual. I look. I think with my I I, I work with my mind. I ain't, I ain't, you asked me about what's going on with my car. I don't know. We might need to take it somewhere. I don't, I don't <laughs> tell you. you so know. there's this, this last summer, I think is when the video came out. The Shade Room, Monique's on there. Um, Who's a character in her own right, you know? 
Yeah. But she's on some radio show. I think she's on a, yeah. And she's being interviewed and she talks about her husband. And she's like, I call him daddy because he's raising me. And I was like, exactly. I was like, what? And this is the shade room, right? So you can imagine comment section. So you have people who are like, that's right. That's right. Call him daddy. And then there were other people like me were like, uh, <laughs> this is awkward. Jared, I'm 40 something. Well, I'm a 40 going to be a something soon. I do not want to pick up where your mama left off. Mm-mm. Right? So the fact that a lot of people in that comment were like A plus in that shit, I was like, you know what? I'm going to be single forever. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> like it just it was such a mind warp. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think Monique met that shit. Do you get what I'm oh, saying? I, like, I, I think she I, meant I think she it. Did. Like, I don't have a relationship with my father. He wasn't around. My husband is my husband who dicks me down and also like is raising me. I yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't want any part of their relationship. I wouldn't want any part of that. But unfortunately. Like speaking to some obstacles, there's some very, I don't know if we want to call this unfinished business or what, but so here's the thing. Like if you start dating me and I've got a couple dad issues, I'm not going to lie. I've been working through it with therapists. Thank you for mental health support. But I'm just saying like, I don't expect a man to deal with my leftover issues when it comes to my own like relationship with my dad that's an unfair thing to ask for and vice versa i shouldn't have to mother someone Mm -hmm. so i think that's another issue is that because of systemic violence against us there are things that we were supposed to get in our home limits that weren't there and as a result those get translated into our romantic endeavors and you got shit like that I don't want to raise you, sir. Mm-mm. And you shouldn't have to parent me. I have almost 13-year-old daughter. I'm not trying to parent nobody else. I mean, my, my son too, but I'm, I'm saying in, in regards yeah. to in regards yeah. to that, I'm not trying to parent yeah. no other woman. Yeah, so there's, I think that's another thing too, those unrealistic expectations that come out of that, like I said, systemic violence. So what we're expecting from our romantic partner gets really convoluted yeah. because of that. So I think that's another thing <clears throat> that really kind of creates an obstacle um, specifically for Black folks. Um, I had one more, but now I just it escaped me. Oh, I recently met a guy, exchange numbers. It was a vibe. And then it kind of fell apart because he basically asked me like, do you need me? Are you going to need me? And my response was no. I didn't hesitate, right? I wasn't like, <laughs> I was like, no. Do you need me to? <laughs> Do you need, need me to need you? Yeah. I was like, what's even better is me wanting you. Yeah. All right. So I think, again, there's this dynamic, there's a gender dynamic. Men are conditioned, and this is across racial lines, actually. There's so much statistical, empirical data that proves this, to find their values and what they own and what they do, right? 
Mm-hmm. Whereas women are often taught to find their value in their bodies and their relationships. So this is why a dude who's a great parent, a great partner, will lose his job, come home and shoot his brains off. Right. Because the thing that society said that makes him matter doesn't exist anymore. Right. right. This is why a woman who's a boss, she got her own house. She got her own job. Two kids. Right. Right. But she don't got a man and she hasn't dated someone in two years. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I'm a complete failure. Uh, you're running three companies, sis. So that that gender dynamic, too, of like what makes us matter is a that's a strain. It's a strain. So this yeah. is why when a guy meets me and I've had to do what I call a little slight check. Like I had this guy got my number. And the first thing he did is the most cliche thing a guy could do was like send me full body shots. And I'm like, cool, you send me full body shots. And he's like, I don't have any pictures. I was like, well, how are you asking me for pics? It's like, <laughs> you don't have any pics. And then he said this. And this is like, I mean, this was going to go well either way. But then he's like, well, y'all just sit around taking pictures all day, right? Uh, so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and slide over to you my whole ass website. <laughs> I would have spelled it for you, but that's my government name on the podcast. He's uh, already spelled it. <laughs> And now, now I have to like, now you made me be petty. And I wasn't even trying to be petty with you. Right, right. But you think I'm sitting around taking pictures all day? Bitch, I'm building a brand. Right. And you should have won a woman who sits around just taking pictures all day anyway. So I think, you get what I'm saying? Like, in that, in his mind, like, oh, the only thing you got to value is like, well, what's your ass look like? So I think there's a struggle there and, and vice versa, right? Women who are like, you better cash at me, bro, for this number, $40. Woo! Right. Right. This is where sex work comes in. I just want to say, heads up, Black women in particular, don't talk transactional relationships when you're not about that life. Because mm-hmm. at the point where a dude has to pay you $40 to get your number, that's not relational anymore. This is a transactional experience. Right. Right. So so now it puts the, the guy in the, in the mindset of well how well how much for something else? Exactly. And, it, and, and at feel- this point, this is about dollars and cents. Right. And I, I mean, I love Cardi, I love the energy of Meg, but it's creating some convoluted, I don't know. They're having conversations about sex work with people who aren't sex workers. Because you better believe. When a sex worker tells a man, give me $100, she not want him to know her birthday. She not trying to get him to remember her mama's name. No. This is about the transaction. So you got a lot of women who are using the language of sex work, but they're not sex workers. And they want, but they want, they want an emotional relationship. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that causes all other kinds of problems. And then do sliding in my inbox talking to me like, I've got an hourly wait. I don't. So wait, somebody slid in your inbox asking you, do you have an hourly rate? No, but I mean, that's what it feels like. Oh, okay. When you like, slide oh, up saying, that's a whole story. We're going to stop the podcast and hear this story. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So anyway, um, so yeah, I think part of that struggle too is men feel like they need to be needed and 
when they meet a woman who's like, actually, I'm good, but I I want you, right? That tension, I don't think a lot of men know how to manage because they've been taught that that's how they have value is to be needed, mm-hmm. which is why that's what I'm saying. Like men are really out here with women paying mortgages, car notes and shit and like feeling like they're doing their part but completely emotionally disconnected from the experience of the relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. those um, are some of my thoughts about the obstacles. No, I, I like that. I like that. So, um, I didn't want to tie it, tie, you know, tie this all together. I know we've, we hit, we hit this two part thing, but I want to tie it all together. The first part with the second part. So the, the, the last question I have for you is because you're an expert or are all things black in the United all States. All things black in the United States. Okay. As you as you stated. And you know, you have the the anti-blackness reader yeah. project. Mm-hmm. Okay. So explain to me how anti-blackness is affects black love. Well, I mentioned it earlier, which is like because we live in a world where black people don't feel safe, it's hard to have intimacy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I like the fact that the how you what you mentioned earlier about the when we talk about you know defining black love and and you know those black families um, looking for um, their loved ones after a few, after years they've been separated going from different plantations and everything mm-hmm. and it's right right after slavery so it's 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 that adjustment period I think I mean. I you 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 I think you you touched on it before, um, you know, off mic. But talk to me talk to me about how how that experience was for um, for black people and how we basically had to kind of learn love. Like lo- yeah, learn love on the go. Um, kind of learn how to love empty. Learning how to love in structures that really weren't organic to us. Um, so the period post-slavery, post-Civil War, um, the Freedmen Board was a, a government agency created by Andrew Jackson, which is ironic because he was racist as hell, um, was not checking for Black people in any capacity, but Congress supported the Freedmen's Bureau as the agency that was credited to like help Black people rebuild. So that looked like giving them jobs, um, getting them registered for voting. And let's just say black people were very about uh, like very about the business of like enfranchisement. We made voting a major priority across the board. And so this is why in that period we have so many black people become Congress people. And I mean the numbers there were like we've not seen that since, right? And so that's that's very telling. And so it's like getting them jobs, getting registered for voting, building schools. I mean, think about it. Like prior to the Civil War, there were no places where a Black person can go to get medical attention. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So building hospitals that Black people can go to. So all of those things are being established by Freedmen Bureau. Um, And these agents who were white, was very, I mean, mostly white, men um, would come into Black community, Black spaces like the Black church, and they would articulate, hey, we've got th- these plots of land available, or we have this um, 
these 50 jobs available, um, but we need to see your married like congregants. And what we have data on is that a lot of Black people were involved in non-monogamous relationships, which makes sense, right? Like, given the fact that at any point in time, your partner can be removed from the plantation, mm-hmm. murked, mm-hmm. right? Our lives are very transient. And then post-Civil War, when people are reuniting with family, JoJo had one husband and now she has two. Mm-hmm. Well, JoJo's like, look, we out here trying to make it. So <laughs> I guess I got two husbands now and y'all going to have to make it work, right? And so the Fubra girls seeing these kind of like these un, um, these non-traditional families that don't model white families and are basically providing that kind of white framework for building black families. And right. one of those was like, Jojo, you got to pick one husband. Or let alone if Jojo had a wife, Jojo, you got to go find a husband. Mm-hmm. And so really in some ways that was like like force. So I, I, I would call that compulsive heterosexuality, but also forced monogamy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for people who's, and that's, that's the thing about the Black family unit. Most of our families are built in untraditional structures. This is why at any given point, I mean, at one point in my life, I lived in a house with like four generations of my family, mm. right? My grandmother, and they were like four, you know what I'm saying? Like four separate families, right? And then, so when Kanye says like fit four in a bed, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Two, but right? Like that's a lot of black lives, you know what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying? And so here's this thing where government intervention is forcing us to fit in a box that we didn't organically create for ourselves, you know? Um, And that's just one example. I was also thinking about this too, is like the ways that anti-Blackness impacts Black intimacy. Mm -hmm. You are Black man, men management, really trying to move vertically in your company. So things are tight. There's not a lot of space to move the way you want to, especially if you're trying to make this next money move. Right. And so <clears throat> you're the only one who show up, who shows up looking like you in a lot of these spaces across board tables. You hear a lot of shit. You swallow a lot of shit and take the L on a lot. But that shit messes with your emotions and your mind and your well-being where are you going to deposit that? Especially if you're not intentional about creating and having resources to deal with that in a healthy way. Yeah. So it's important to note that in the United States alone, the group that is most targeted and most likely to die from intimate partner violence in this country is not white women, it's black women. And that's shit we don't talk about either. Uh Uh-uh. So do you get what I'm saying? Like, where do you take that anger? Where do you take that dehumanization? Where do you take that frustration? You take it you, out. You come, you come home with that. And it's hard to be, and it's like you said before, it, it's hard to be intimate, intimate when you're not safe. 
And then yep. you, 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 that's all on the outside. You coming home that you, you yep. have to unload it somehow. And so yep. now, now I don't, now, now the person who you coming home to, they don't feel safe because you, you got all this rage inside you. Yep. So it's a separation. And it's not like we live in a world that encourages men on any race or ethnic background to necessarily find healthy ways to deal with emotions. Right, but that's right. definitely not something that's encouraging a black community. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, those are just two things immediately I think about what makes intimacy hard because of anti-Blackness specifically. Government intervention that reinforces white family structures and white, like, white frameworks of existing. And that, too, where do people take their trauma as Black folks? They usually take it back to the people that they're closest to. Mm. And, you know, as a mental health advocate, like you expressed, until we can normalize that kind of support in the Black community, right? Until we can make that, right? Isn't it ironic that the people who probably need therapy the most are probably the most, like, least likely? Like, I remember growing up hearing, that's some white people shit. Yes, I heard it a lot. Yeah. Oh, you ain't, or you ain't praying enough. It, exactly. Yeah. And I had to literally <laughs> tell my mom once, I was like, before I got a therapist, like, I had a hard conversation with my mom. I was like, look, this is happening. I still love the Lord. I still go to church. But Jesus made therapists. And mm-hmm. I'm going to need you to, like, reckon with this choice I'm making. You know? Sure. So, yeah. So where do we take those traumas? And then as a Black person, learning how to assess that. So I know I made the joke earlier, but I was being serious. There are a lot of Black men who hate Black women out here in these streets. I've met a few. And as a woman, I feel like it's my responsibility to not get so caught up in the rapture of love that I'm not making those assessments early on. Like yeah. if you meet a man and like all women are bitches and hoes, that might be an indicator. Something ain't right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about beat the pee up out the frame all of those ways in which people talk about engaging in sex and i'm all about like the like the sliding scale of aggressiveness when it comes to sexual intimacy right but if you think about that that there are some men who like i'm a what i mean what what's i heard something recently and i was like "Mm -mm, that's no 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 bruno it was like kill kill the kill, kill the veg what? And I know we joke, and it's like stuff that people listen <laughs> to in club. But like that, sh- I think that shit matters, Jared. I do. It it does. It does. It does. Because they're they're. I mean, but look that that. I when I hear stuff like that, I also have to ask. You know, how old are you? Because because Jared, there are people our age out here talking about I'm about to kill the badge. I I I got nothing for that. <laughs> unless unless, because sometimes you can you can stab. Sometimes there's you know you can you can still kill somebody. Just could you stop doing that with the pen? <laughs> fine, fine. No, no, no. Joke, joke. All jokes aside. The, the the terminology is problematic. Yeah, it is, it is a problem. No and matter if, no matter if they say they're in their 20s like, or they or they 40s. It's, and it's if problem. women were out here like 
finding ways to like use military style aggressive language you know I think men would be like no girl I'm just saying like I'm not saying every dude who says I'm about to kill the vag hates women but it's something to like pay attention to as women yeah you don't want anyone to date your well I don't want to I'm just saying you wouldn't want anyone around your kids saying I'm about to stab you like you know like that's not cool and, and sorry, yeah, I didn't and want, to want nobody saying that to my daughter. I can't wrap my exactly, mind around that. Exactly. I was trying not to say that, but you would never encourage like her to be with someone who's using that language about her body. No. So I think as women, we have to be a little bit more discerning about kind of seeing those signals early on. And men too, like pay attention to women who are really like, oh no, she needs me to be a caretaker and isn't ready for a full partner because that's different you meeting a woman and partnering with her is different than you meeting a woman and being her caretaker facts as brooklyn would say facts no printer Mm -hmm. oh that's so cute i like that yeah yeah She, she would also say that you're being frank no ocean so that's 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 the extent and i don't like that youth Say, I'm, hey. I'm sorry, but is is what's what's Brooklyn? I mean, is she is she is is she an X, a Z? No, she's gonna be yeah. something else. She, is she gonna count as a Z? She's Z. Yeah. I want to be dead by the time they're like in Congress. I'm serious. I want to be dead. Some of them, no. some of them, like they got a good head on the shoulders, and some of them, this generation, that might be a whole podcast in itself. First of all, this is the generation of little baby, duh baby, and mulatto. Are you kidding me? I think it's I think it's big lotto now. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I think she changed her name. <laughs> it's big lotto. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, right, so- I'm mad that it happened. Second of all, I'm mad that you know that. I, I have to know these things. I, I have to stay up on what's going you on. You do. You have to stay current. I on do. these youth shenanigans. I do, I do. So, so Big Lotto, when, when me and Brooklyn talking music, and we're like, oh, no, you mean Big Lotto. She was like, yeah. I'm like, all right. Um, all right, so bottom line, we, we can get from, from, from Black Love. It's, it's, it's good. It's something that, something that we strive for and- We need it. We need but it. But we have to create our own rule book, our own we, rule books about it. Right, we have we have to create our create our own rules books about it, and for and for God's sakes, please, please, don't send unsolicited dick pics that's going to destroy black love before it gets started. Bam, bam, <laughs> full circle. Tell the people where they can find you at. Tell them how they can reach out to you. Tell them how. Haven't they I can... already told the people that? You told them in part one, sweetie. It's, it's oh, it's two different. Oh parts. yeah, so find me on the ground. The anti-blackness reader. <laughs> Sorry, find me on the ground. The anti-blackness reader. Hug your right friends. You can also find me on Facebook. Same handles. The anti-blackness reader. Hug your right friends. Um, and Patreon. Patreon.com slash Kina Reed. That's 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 uh that's R E as an echo, E as an echo, D as in Thomas. 
got you. Thank you for the support. I got you. Kina, thank you so much for joining me this week. You're welcome, old friend. Once again, I would like to thank my old friend, Kina Reed, for joining me this week, completing the double header, two episodes for the price of one over the last two weeks. So I'm going to go ahead and just wrap it up. Um, you know, it's kind of a busy weekend for me. It's the birthday weekend, so got some festivities planned out. So I'm going to enjoy myself. But if you want to give me a present, no, I'm not going to give you my cash app. I don't. That's a whole different segment altogether. But what you can do is share this podcast. Like it. Comment. Hey, even give me a five-star review on Apple Pod. Rate it. So things like that to help promote uh, my content is always a gift that you can give me any time of the year. So that's all I got for you this week. So until next time, I'll see you next week. Uh-huh.